This is the review of democracy. My name is Ferenc Lotso, and it is my pleasure to host Peter Osnos today. Welcome to the show, Peter. Well, thank you very much. Great to have you at Ravdam. Peter Osnos has had a long and distinguished career as a reporter, editor, and publisher, working for the Washington Post for numerous years, where he covered, among others, the war in Vietnam and the Soviet Union during the Cold War era. He was subsequently employed at Random House for some 12 years until he founded his own publishing house, Public Affairs, in 1997. He has published a whole host of major authors and public figures, including four former U.S. presidents and several of the most celebrated figures in human rights, business and the media as well. Just last year, Peter Ostos released an especially good view, Watching History Happen, which is a fascinating reported memoir spanning half a century and offering plenty of personal insights and reflections. Now, Peter Ostas has just edited another substantial collection on the founder and major donor of the Central European University, George Soros, titled George Soros, A Life in Full, which we are here to discuss today. And I should briefly clarify that since I'm a native speaker of Hungarian, I shall refer to the main protagonist as Soros rather than Soros from now on, if that's fine. And I should perhaps begin our conversation by also mentioning that you, Peter Osnos, have actually acted as the publisher of Soros's books since the release of his The Crisis of Global Capitalism in 1998, And you have, in fact, first met him significantly earlier via Human Rights Watch, if I'm not mistaken, where you served on the board of directors. So to start off our conversation, could I ask you to briefly discuss your cooperation with Soros across the decades and what being his publisher at Public Affairs has revealed to you about the man and the thinker? Well, it's 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 a wonderful subject which I am, as you can imagine, perfectly happy to discuss at length, but we won't have length, so I'll be tight. Uh, I first actually did meet George in connection with uh, the work he was beginning to do with, it was actually to begin with, it was Helsinki Watch, which followed the Helsinki Accords and was primarily interested in the Soviet Union and Eastern Europe. Uh, So we were already, I would describe it as acquainted uh, when in 1998, he wanted to publish his book, The Crisis of Global Capitalism, for which he had a contract at Random House. They were going to do it in six months, and George wanted to do it in one week. (laughs) And to make a long story short, I said, George, I can do it pretty much the way you want to. And so I've said since then, my rule about dealing with George Soros is say yes and cope later. And as a result of that, we ended up we didn't end up, we worked together on every book he's done since uh, up until the moment. That's a lot of books. And uh, the interesting thing about the books is their global reach. That first book, The Crisis of Global Capitalism, was published in 35, 35 foreign editions. And uh, that's extraordinary. So what we know about Soros is his global reach 
And we also know that he has a very, very high and rather controversial profile, particularly in the United States and, of course, in Hungary. So this book came about because it was his 90th birthday in the summer of 2020, which was the high point of COVID. And it was obvious that there were going to be no birthday parties. Uh, so uh, in talking to him, I said, well, you know, maybe now is the time. I'm going to call him George, if you don't mind, because I know him well enough. Uh, I said, now is the time really to consider whether you should write your own memoir or autobiography. After all, time marches on. He was not at all interested in writing a memoir or an autobiography. He'd written enough. So I then, with him, devised an idea that would effectively be a biography, but a different kind of biography. Because of the range of George's experience and careers, you know, he's a philanthropist, he's a financier, he's a political, he's a da, 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 da. no one person probably can do adequate justice in real depth to each one of the various aspects of George's life, work, and career. So I said, why don't we uh, assemble a group of people who can do this, who can write in great detail and depth about the various aspects of, uh, of your life and career? I said, but there is one condition. You need to cooperate, but you can't interfere. If we do this, you have to trust me. I will assemble the writers. I and a colleague will edit the essays. And only when they're done will you read them. And then what we would like you to do is accept judgments. And the only thing we want you to meddle with would be at errors of fact. And to be fair and clear, that's what happened. And then um, it was my, again, idea to go to the Harvard Business Review Press and say, look, I will create this book. I will do everything involved with the book and I will give you the book, but I would like you to distribute it and sell it because I think your global reach is uh, is vast. And I, I, I suppose I could have gone to public affairs, but my feeling about public affairs, it's 25 years old and it's very much now on its own. And I didn't want to impose this on. So we did it with Harvard Business Review Press, and it's now been out uh, uh, just a few weeks. And uh, I've been talking about it along with some of the contributors, uh, all of whom I think you would agree, uh, if I went through the list with you, are really very qualified, if not distinguished, to, to write about the subjects that they're doing. So that's really the background to the book. Great. Thank you so much. I think those are great insights into the motivation behind the volume and also into the conception of it. And you're indeed absolutely right. This is a volume with a host of very prominent authors, I should say, Eva Hoffman, Michael Ignatieff, uh, Ivan Krastev, Darren Volker, you name it. It really has a, a really fantastic a cast of characters contributing. And if I may ask a few questions about some of the chapters in the book, you know, the very first one discusses, uh, and this is the one written by Eva Hoffman, it discusses Soros's family milieu. 
and his survival of the Holocaust in Hungary as a teenager. So may I ask what we can find out about his upbringing in Hungary back in the 30s, 40s, and how his experience of persecution marked him and his outlook? I think the first thing that needs to be said is that Soros always says, Lynch always says, 1944 was the formative year of my life. What was 1944? 1944 was the year in which the Nazis truly engulfed Hungary. George is 14. He was there with a father, his mother, and a brother. And the saga of their exploits and their ability to stay outside the grip of the of the Nazis and eventually get to London gave George, I think, a strong sense of two things. One was a sense of how to accommodate risk and danger. Two, while he grew up in the sort of classic Central European, upper middle class Jewish kind of family, he understood and for the rest of his life recognized that whatever else he may have thought about Judaism, it was a formative fact of who he was. And his values and his approach to life, when life is in such great danger, I think stayed with him forever. So I would say that the that the, the real basis of his um, attitudes came in that period, in that very formative period. Who his family was, what happened to them, and what that did to give George a base against which the rest of his life would unfold. Great. Uh, the book also really quite extensively discusses his connection to Hungary, his country of origin, and to the Central and Eastern European region in some of the chapters, such as uh, Ivan Krastev's or also Leon Botstein's. And so would you be willing to reflect on how his relationship has changed to his country of origin and to the region he comes from, to which he dedicated so much of his time and attention over the decades? Those are really two questions. The first question, Hungary, is unique because he's a Hungarian. And because Orban, um, who after all was at one time a fellow at Oxford, with a Soros fellowship, chose to turn Soros into a nemesis, into a villain, and organized his illiberal democracy around his antagonism to Soros. Now, he's not alone in, in uh, attacking Soros, but I think the only one, only place where it really counts for, for George is Hungary because of his home. And he is Hungarian into his core, even though he has lived most of his life outside Hungary. I think you also, as a Hungarian by origin, know that when you start somewhere, it never leaves you. So Hungary had a very special place and therefore a very special kind of concern when it turned in the direction that it did. As for Russia and the rest of Eastern Europe, I think the war that we're seeing now in Ukraine um, is, a, is a kind of end of the, it's nothing is ever really over, but this is the end of a particular era that began really 
in the 80s with Gorbachev, the end of the Soviet empire, the 90s and the 2000s. George's open society concept and belief was that he could support those democratic changes, the open society changes. In Russia, he did a great deal of work. He spent a lot of money. Um, I think at one point, scientists were able to get $300 just by asking. There was a lot of work done, for example, on tuberculosis in prisons and so on. I mean, he really was committed to the development evolution of the post-Soviet Russia. Well, I think we'd all have to agree that that process has ended and in some very considerable failure. Uh, and he would obviously recognize that. Putin and the invasion of Ukraine show that the effort to turn post-Soviet Russia into something that resembled a dem- proper democracy failed. On the other hand, the efforts in Poland, what was Czechoslovakia, Czech, Czech Republic, um, they uh, certainly, you know, Germany, what, what he, I think what he did there was, was enable in those years the development of civil society in the Baltics. Uh, I remember I was on, at one time I was on a short-lived uh, foundation called the Baltic American Partnership Fund, all of which was devoted to creating civil society in the three Baltics. And so what we're seeing now in this invasion, even though Poland has kind of veered to the right and the Czech Republic and the Slovakians have broken and, you know, there's complexities in Germany, always, right? Europe, the world is always complicated. But what we're seeing, I think, in the way the Central and Eastern European countries have responded, and the Baltics, certainly, to the invasion shows the strength of civil society. And that civil society is something that Soros, in particular, supported in the years beginning with the late 80s and and to the present. So on the one hand, it's very decisively a disappointment. On the other hand, I would say there are elements of great success. Great. I think that's a very finely balanced assessment, uh, really. And I I would also say that, you know, several of the contributions uh, to the volume emphasize how Soros in many ways reinvented philanthropy for our time. So I was wondering how you would describe his key priorities, uh, the key priorities of his really manifold activities in this area, and what specific values, moral or political values, have these activities been based on? Uh, and would you say that it has been truly been novel and path-breaking, what he has done and the way he has operated as a philanthropist? Uh, Darren Walker, who is the author of the philanthropy essay, is the president of the Ford Foundation. Ford Foundation, obviously, is a very major American foundation based on, originally on the money of Henry Ford, the automaker, and who was, by any measure, not a particularly attractive figure in today's uh, political context. He was a rabid anti-Semite. He was an isolationist and so on. Um, What Darren, who is black and gay, and therefore would not have been Henry Ford's choice to president of the Ford Foundation, what Darren has written 
is that what makes George's philanthropy different, unique, innovative, is that it is based completely on values. It's not about buildings. It's not about uh, scientific research. It's about open society and values. One other thing that I know is that unlike so many philanthropists which insisted, who insisted on putting their name on everything, that George, George's name is not on the Open Society Foundations. Eventually, I think it will be. It's certainly not on the Central European University. It's called the Central European University. So what you have here is a philanthropist, by the way, who's given vast amounts of money. I mean, he may be the second most generous philanthropist after Bill Gates. And he's done it without putting his name on things. And he's done it to support values. Well, that makes him different. (laughs) And what the future will bring, of course, we have no idea. Because his, his original intention was to spend all the money and then have the foundations close. But I don't think that's what's going to happen now. I think it will go on in, in a new iteration. And what will happen to OSF and what will happen to CEU, only time, as the proverbial cliche goes, will tell. Mm-hmm. You have just mentioned the Central European University, and it's quite clear to me that this university has been one of the major commitments of Soros ever since the foundation of it in the early 1990s. And as the former rector of the CU, Michael Ignatiev, writes in the book, and I'm quoting, no founder of universities had ever entertained such extraordinary ambition to make the transformation of higher education the driver of an entire historical transition, end of quote. So I was wondering whether you could speak to the strong commitment of Soros to education and what have been some of his key achievements uh, in this realm and whether you perhaps think that his commitment to furthering people's education has had unintended consequences. You remember, you know, you start with an idea, a vision. And the vision was a great uh, Budapest-based university um, on all of the great issues of, of, of the day. Humanities, politics, business, uh, science. And he started it with a good deal of money and a concept. I don't think anybody who's ever started anything assumes that it will always be what the original vision was. And I don't think CEU is. I think what has complicated CEU enormously was the fact that uh, Orban decided that he didn't want it in Budapest. And that put immense pressure on, on, the, on the concept of CEU and on the concept of it being based in Central Europe. Um, I've never visited, so I can't really speak to it, to it, you know, what happened on the ground. But I know that it is generally recognized to be a, a very significant educational institution. The second element that has to be said is that it was, after all, all of George's money that started the university. And I think in George's head, he said, I created it. Now, I want the world to support it. I don't want to be the one who is the only pipeline financially to the university. And that didn't happen. Um, I think the problem is when everybody knows that the founder is, is Soros, they said, well, you have enough money. 
So raising money outside the Soros money for CEU is a problem. So when the it became necessary to move uh, the base from Budapest to Vienna, in the end, George provided the resources to make that happen. I think going forward, CEU has a future. But if so, CEU is completely dependent on the largesse of one person, then it probably will not thrive. A university, any university, starts with something and has to build on it. And the test for CEU is can it build beyond what it was that Soros's vision and his money produced? Mm-hmm. Right. George Soros' life in full, this really fascinating volume you have just edited, reveals chapter by chapter what an extraordinary character George Soros is and how multifaceted his activities have been. The subtitle of the volume actually speaks of a survivor, billionaire, speculator, philanthropist, philosopher, political activist, nemesis of the far right, and global citizen. So as a final question, may I ask in what ways this new volume contributes to a better understanding of how all these multiple parts of his very complex personality may fit together? Or is it perhaps more apt to think of of Soros, as many people have done uh, previously, as a remarkable man with some profound contradictions? Well, he's all those things. He's certainly a remarkable man. There are lots of contradictions. Um, what I think the purpose of the volume, at you know, George is in his tenth decade. I don't know whether anybody will ever truly be able to satisfactorily write a full personal biography. There are elements, I'm sure, of George's personality and character that only he could write about, and we certainly don't in the book. Uh, His relationship to his father is clear, but not his relationship to, for example, his offspring. So, you know, a man is many things. Any person, a man, a woman, is many things, and he certainly is many things. And this book's effort is to embrace as many of them as we could access in the time we had with the kind of expertise we could bring to the process. And that was the goal. Um, and what, what, from, from my point of view as the editor, and I also wrote the introduction, trying to understand the nature of Soros's remarkable accomplishments, I've come to appreciate what I think of as a certain kind of genius and some of the people I've worked with. Uh, Names that, some of which will be very familiar to you and others may not be. Paul Farmer, the founder of Partners in Health, who just died, which is extraordinary. Muhammad Yunus, the creator of microlending. These are people who created things from scratch, out of their passion, out of their conviction, out of their commitment, and in George's case, out of money. And what is it in the character of people that enables them to do that? And that is, and that is the thing that, the question I, I very much want to answer and, or try to answer. And that's what we've done. 
Thank you so much for that answer. And thank you so much for giving us all these great insights into this new volume, George Soros, A Life in Full. I have been talking today to the editor of this book, which is out in April 2022, Peter Osnos. Thanks so much for being on the show, Peter Osnos. Thanks very much. And good luck to you and all of your efforts. Okay. Thanks so Bye-bye. much. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Until the next time. Bye-bye.